welcome to Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. I am Ben. And I am Danielle. So Ben, there's a lot of hustle and bustle about this time of year. It's the holiday season. Oh yeah, people are scrambling, scrambling away, getting ready for Valentine's Day. Oh yes, I'm sure that's what they're planning for right now, the epic Valentine's Day of their dreams. I believe Hanukkah has ended. Christmas is right around the corner. We've only got like, what, 10 more days? Something like that. Yeah, those dumb holidays. They really distract from the true meaning of Valentine's Day. You don't even like Valentine's Day. Yes, that that was sarcasm. Valentine's Day is stupid and pointless and has no meaning. I don't know if our listeners have noticed yet, but Ben is a bit of a downer <laughs> when it comes to a lot of fun holiday things. How dare you? You'll hear from my lawyer. I'm not a downer at all. Are you going to sue me? You're going to sue me at Christmas? I know how much money you have. You, you can't afford to file the first document to sue me. This is America. Suing is very easy. Well, there is one thing that people like to do at Christmas. You know what that is? Get drunk. Yes, that is one thing that they like to do. Uh, usually because they are traveling to see their family. It's the season to go a-wassling. Yes. Uh, and you know what you need when you're traveling? Bourbon. Well, I guess that depends on if you're driving. I guess if you're just sitting in an airplane, then yeah, you can you can drink. But no, luggage. You need luggage when, when you're traveling. You're all the luggage I need, baby. Or, or how about, I don't know about luggage, but we like to bring a lot of baggage. I don't know how to feel about you similing me to baggage. So luggage is fun. Well, the reason we pull luggage out of the closet is fun, usually. I guess there are plenty of reasons people don't travel for fun, like work, funerals. But let's pretend that the only time we pack a suitcase is for a cruise. Christmas cruise. Let's go. I would imagine Christmas cruises are pretty popular. They are. They are very popular. One of my favorite Christmas movies, Christmas with the Cranks, would lead you to believe that they are very popular. Or very unpopular. Their whole neighborhood was very upset about them trying to go on a cruise. That movie really showcases overbearing neighbors. <laughs> and the burden of family. And that's what Christmas is all about. Again, bit of a downer. So luggage is going to tie closely with our vacations episode because demand for it followed people traveling for pleasure. Now, of course, we still had to pack our things for long trips across great distances, but these weren't usually for fun. People were packing up their lives and moving towards the unknown. The wild green yonder. I thought I might ask Miriam to give me the definition of, of luggage, and do you know what she told me? Something that is lugged. I think Miriam's a dude. You know what he told me? <laughs> so the first known use of the word was from 1595. That was a long time ago. Yep. Ben, do you know what a camel bag is? Is it related to a camel toe? No. Is it what you call somebody when they just won't get off your back? That would be a very interesting 
dude, she's such a camelbag. <laughs> yeah, quit pestering me, you camelbag. Mom, you're such a camelbag. That's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> don't be a boob punch. I don't know what that is, but I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's a bag that the Anatolian nomads use to move their life around. They would usually have some pretty bold colors and shapes woven into the fabric of the bag. And these weren't just for the sake of a pretty bag. They told onlookers what area the owner of the bag was from. They weren't always completely nomadic. Some of them eventually stopped living in tents and moving around on camels. But girls still wove two camel bags for their dowry. And I have a few questions about that. Were the bags for packing their things and going to live with their new husbands? Were they for selling and giving the money to their new husbands? Did the new husbands require the bags for themselves? Also, did the craftsmanship of the bag determine whether a man would take on that woman? We'll have to travel back in time. You can still buy camel bags. Uh, I found some repurposed camel bags. The ones I found were pillows, and I thought my silk pillowcases I splurged on were expensive. Most of them were a couple hundred dollars. Wool's expensive. Sounds scratchy. I like to toss and turn a lot, and I like to lay with my face down in the pillow. They seem to be more like decorative throw pillows. It's a lot of money for decorations. Especially since the best thing about wool is its function for keeping you warm. That's pretty superfluous. Saddlebags were a popular way of loading your things and moving great distances. There are people who still move cattle and they rely on saddlebags because it can take a few days to get the cows where they need to be and you definitely want to bring some things with you on a trip like that. The concept is used in the way of motorcycle saddlebags too. I don't know that I would consider them luggage, but the people that used them didn't really have anything else, so I guess it was their luggage. For the most part, people packed their things in trunks. They were made of leather and wood and usually had a heavy metal base. And since the main mode of transportation was ships, the best trunks were waterproofed with canvas or tree sap. Ships didn't stay completely dry, especially in the hold where luggage would have been stored. Not only that, but ships rock around and shift stored goods, so if your trunk wasn't strong, it would have been crushed by other cargo sliding around and smashing into it. Thank God we invented planes, and now our luggage is crushed by the people who move them onto the plane. (laughs) (laughs) So stagecoach was also a popular way of travel, and those trunks usually didn't ride in the cab with the people. They were strapped down and stuffed on the back or the top, maybe some up front with the driver, but not all of these locations were covered, so if it rained, you needed to know that your stuff wasn't going to get wet, which is why waterproofing was so important. Owners of these trunks usually weren't that concerned with how heavy and bulky these trunks were because for the most part, it was wealthy people traveling and transporting their things, and they had servants to load and unload their, their stuff. Basically, they just showed up at their new destination and their things were already there for them. In some cases, already put away in their rooms that they were staying in. Remember in vacation episode where the royals would go on these grand tours of their realm and they would have servants go ahead of them and already have their rooms set up with their comforts? I do. Yeah. Ah, convenience and the cost of it. I don't think I'm going to label that time as convenient 
sure is convenient to have somebody else destroy their back for you. I'll give you that. So after the Titanic went down, there were hundreds of lawsuits and claims made for compensation of loss of life, of course, but also possessions. Well, this one lady who was traveling first class, so she lived, but obviously she wasn't able to save all of her luggage. And oh my lord, did she have a lot of luggage. She had 14 trunks, four suitcases, and three crates of baggage. She had a nearly 20-page itemized list of the 841 some odd items that she lost. One of the things on that list was a pink diamond ring that was a little over six carats. So she filed her compensation for $177,352, which would be well over $5 million today. Wowzers. That's all I have to say about that. So trunks were the main choice of luggage. Also, a lot of sets came with hat boxes, which I just love. I have no need for a hat box, but I still like them. An 1897 wholesale price list only mentioned suitcases twice in a large list of luggage types, but suitcases were beginning to take off. At the end of the 1800s, luggage and leather goods businesses took note of the rising travel for pleasure rates. Now, early suitcases were still pretty bulky if you compare them against what we have today. But at the time, having something that you could easily pick up yourself was huge. That was my joke drum because I said huge, but it wasn't because they could pick them up itself themselves. It was a joke. Huh. They kind of just looked like small trunks, though. They kept to the wooden or metal frame covered in leather or wicker. They would have that, what we would now look back and say, oh, that looks like a vintage suitcase. Square body with brass pieces on the corners to round it out. It's also important to remember that suitcases were kind of a status symbol. I read a piece about Mexican laborers immigrating here, showing up with their rolled bags or boxes of stuff, and then returning to Mexico with nice suitcases because of the status that piece of luggage gave them. It signified that they weren't just migrant workers, they were, you know, businessmen. So we've been hanging around the late 18th and early 20th century for the most part, but there was a brilliant piece of luggage that was kind of forgotten about. Maybe not forgotten, but considering how long it took us to get wheels back involved, I would say it pretty much was forgotten. So during the Crusades, it was a time of military expeditions with the intent to fight against the Muslim expansion. They wanted to try to take back the control of the Holy Land and conquer pagan territories. And there was a lot of people involved in this migration. They were told that if they took up the fight, they would be exonerated from their sins. And at this time, going to hell was on a lot of people's minds. Guilt was a persuasive tool that the powerful people at the time loved to wield. So it was very honorable to die for this cause. Anyway, but I think the real question is, how did they pack their things? (laughs) So they had wheeled cases. Granted, they were trying to transport heavy armor and weapons, so wheels were almost necessary, but you'd think that the idea would have stuck around for all the heavy trunks that were getting transported around, but nope, we don't see luggage with wheels again until, like, 1970. 1970? Mm Mm-hmm. This is why humans are going extinct. Mark my words. So we can't talk about luggage, and specifically trunks, without talking about Louis Vuitton. Who's that? Oh, come on now. You know who Louis Vuitton is. Have I met him? 
No, definitely not. He is long dead. Well, then how would I know him? How about his billion-dollar globally recognized brand? Was that, like Walmart? He was a young Parisian trunk maker. In 1821, he was 16 years old, and he had just made it to Paris. He was an apprentice to Monsieur Michel, who made boxes. He stayed with him for 17 years and then decided to make it out on his own under his own name. And he advertised his services on a small poster that read, Securely packs the most fragile objects, specializing in packing fashions. Informative. So right away, he was distinguishing himself as a luxury brand. Maybe that was easy to do since only wealthy people were traveling anyway, so it's not like poor people were looking for an affordable option. But he quickly made himself and his products fashion and not just something that carried fashion. Also, it's France, the birthplace of fashion. This also probably helped. Right place, right time. So another thing that Louis Vuitton touted about his trunks were how strong the locks were. He took out an advert in the newspaper challenging Harry Houdini to escape from one of his trunks. Harry did not take him up on it. He, didn't, he did not attempt that. But it was a genius early marketing play. It's kind of a fun watching marketing evolve. It used to be so innocent and funny. Now it's scary because they tried way too hard to get into people's heads. But the early stages were kind of cute. Joseph Hartman a German man who came to America in 1862, developed trunks, but they weren't plain trunks that opened long ways. These were wardrobe trunks that opened on their ends and featured a rod on one side for hanging clothes, and on the other side was drawers. A real example of German organization, if I say so myself. Sounds pretty obnoxious. What? No, they were awesome. They kept all your things folded and separated. Try and put that in your overhead compartment. This is well before overhead compartments. They got really popular in 1910. They stayed popular into the 40s, so I guess... But they weren't trying to put them in overhead compartments. But after trunks fell out of fashion, they started to make smaller versions of these trunks for children. I think I might have had one, or at least played with one. It held doll clothes, I think, for American Girl dolls. Sounds right. Amelia Earhart had her own brand of suitcases. Did you know, found that interesting? Was this while she was alive? or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was manufactured even after she disappeared, though. Interesting. I did not know that about her. <laughs> she had to get her name out there. Uh, it was lightweight and compact. As you can imagine, she had flying in mind. Also, suitcases back in ye olden times were two individual words. It was a suitcase. A case that held suits. And that name held even past being thought of as a case that holds suits. Now we conjure a picture in our minds of a suitcase. It's modern ones that we have today, and it's one word. I'm not certain if I've ever put a suit in a suitcase. I don't think I've ever put a suit in a suitcase, especially not for myself. I guess I could have watched my mom put a suit in a suitcase for my dad. So, in 1929 through 1941, we saw the Depression, the Great One, and that was awful. Uh, and it brought us cardboard suitcases. They were cheap, it was light, it was not waterproof. You have to wonder how many of these carried people's entire lives because they would have already sold everything that wasn't necessary or extremely sentimental, so they didn't have much. 
the people heavily affected by the depression weren't traveling for pleasure, but they were very well might have been moving from eviction or traveling for work. There was this thing called the suitcase farmer, and they were called that because they were farmers who traveled to work farmland. They didn't own the land. They had the... Freelance farmers. Yeah. Interesting. I do think we need to mention military trunks. They were called footlockers. They were at the foot of the bed, hence the name. World War II had a lot of fatalities, and the men who died, their trunks would have all of their personal things in them, and that whole trunk would be shipped home to the families. I don't know if they still have footlockers. Whatever they do have, they probably still call them footlockers. I know they have pelican cases. I have a marine brother-in-law who travels in pelican cases. Not like his body, but like he puts his things in a pelican suitcase. In Britain in in the 1940s, they had the portable porter. Yeah, they set those up at concerts and things, but I always have a hard time using them. Mostly the smell, and it just doesn't feel like it's private enough. Could you be thinking of a porter, porta potty? Portable potty? This is a portable porter. What did you say? (laughs) This is not a suitcase with wheels as much as a suitcase on wheels. It was a device that could be strapped to a suitcase. These did not catch on. It could have been because wheels on suitcases were viewed as very feminine. It was the manly thing to do to carry the luggage for the woman. And although wheels would have made it easier for women to carry their own luggage, they weren't supposed to be traveling by themselves anyways, so it was a non-issue. You don't need wheels because you're not leaving without a man anyway. Darn right. It's the same concept of why do women need pockets, and diapers was a prime example of how little companies were interested in making things that made women's lives easier. So this leads us to the invention of wheels on suitcases, which was invented by Bernard Sato in 1970. I say invented. They were around. They just weren't accepted. Sato should really be credited with popularizing them and changing the mindsets of the people. It wasn't just the masculine image that was changing. Air travel was becoming extremely popular as well. 1949 saw around 17 million passengers, and by 1969, they were up to 172 million. Consequently, 1968 through 1972, there was 130 hijackings. It was the golden age of hijacking. For the most part, their demands were for money or to divert the plane to a different destination. Airlines didn't really seem to care that much that this was happening. I I saw some parallels between hijackings then and mass shootings now. And we all know what happened to get these hijackings under control. Imagine what the 9-11 equivalent of a mass shooting will be. Fortunately, it's not a frequent event now still happens sometimes, but not like, oh my gosh, not like it was happening. Airplanes are the safest form of travel, especially compared to cars. We take our lives into our hands every time we get into a car, truly rolling death traps. Well, that was a long diversion from wheeled suitcases. So we have more people flying, and Bernard Sato is on family vacation. He's dragging luggage through customs, and he sees a luggage cart. It's a wheeled cart with luggage on it, and he says to himself, why don't I have wheels on these bags? So he patents wheeled luggage in 1970, and he hits a wall with department stores refusing to carry his luggage. 
Men, in particular, were very reluctant to even consider the idea of wheeling luggage behind them like a wimp. Sato complained to the Times that it was a macho thing. He was probably annoyed that men were too proud and fragile in their masculinity to roll a bag. It took a long time to get past this as a society. Supposedly, there was a movie from 1984 called Rolling the Stone that, was a, that had a wheeled suitcase in it, and it was portrayed as a silly thing for women. Perspectively, 1984 was not that long ago. The 1980s did see more women traveling alone, and they didn't have any problem with wheeling luggage. But as you know, people got past their aversion. We all use wheeled bags now, and I don't think any of us feel overly feminine doing so. Tell you what, there's a time we were trying to get to the airport in Colorado, and one of the wheels on the suitcases broke, and I had to drag it around, and it was snowing and going down the sidewalk. I would not have felt uh, any less manly had all of the wheels been working, I gotta say. Oh yeah, I remember that. That nice lady stopped to pick us up. We, we, were, we were trying to make our train, right, to the, the airport, and the ladies saw us struggling in the rainy, snowy weather, and she was like, oh my goodness, these poor people, and see, so she stopped and picked us up, and we got in her car. We didn't know her. We could have died. Nah, it was a Camry, and the bumper wasn't even dented. She had to have been a perfect human. So wheel bags started out like regular suitcases, just with wheels, and then airlines became stricter with dimensions of the suitcase and the weight. So the whole concept of luggage was rethought to include a retractable handle, and that was the idea of Robert Plath. He was a pilot who was tired of lugging suitcases around, and he really popularized wheeled suitcases. He is considered another inventor. That's why, that's why I added him. He, that retractable handle is very sleek. I guess it took a few men saying, hey, this is a good idea, before we all decided that it was a good idea. They were reoriented to be primarily vertical instead of the traditional horizontal configuration, dividing luggage into categories like carry-on versus check bags. Wheels have evolved as well. Those wheels that roll 360, the spinner ones, was the hot new thing. And then they started popping off because luggage is handled pretty roughly when it's being transported. People who fly often know that the bags with the wheels in a wheel well is much more durable. You're less likely to lose a wheel if they're partially tucked up into the bag. What's funny is we're back to the upright wardrobe trunks because the fancy suitcases come with collapsible shelves that turn the whole suitcase into a mobile closet. Told you it was a good idea. I still don't agree. That's because you're one of those crazy people that unloads your suitcase completely into the drawers provided to you in the hotel or wherever it is that we're going. Yeah, if I'm going to be staying for over a week or a week or more. Mm -mm. My clothes stay in their bag. I don't like my clothes to be smelly and wrinkly. I don't like my clothes to go into an unfamiliar smelly sarcophagus that I have. I don't know. I don't know that drawer. I don't know what whose other things have been in that drawer. People probably stuff their dirty underwear into those drawers. You know, you know what those drawers are for? They're for holding the dirty clothes that you've already worn. Clean clothes stay in the suitcase. Dirty clothes go in the drawers provided well the drawers always smell clean and so do my clothes so yeah it works out 
The future of luggage is smart. Disagree. <laughs> so there's devices to track your luggage remotely so you know where it ends up when it gets lost. Autonomous luggage that actually follows you around the airport. Kind of kind of robot-y. I don't know about that one. Maybe. I usually get on the bandwagon after I know the wagon isn't going to kill me. Also, we still have some of these ideas about wheels even today. I can't tell you how many people I've heard talk about how the wheeled backpack is nerdy. But you know who's not going to have premature back pain? The nerds who rolled their backpacks. They have so much stuff in your backpack. (laughs) Because schools give you too many books. They don't give books anymore. They just give you a Chromebook. That may be true. But there are countless children... Of the 80s and 90s, who made fun of wheeled backpacks because the smart people knew, I don't have to carry this. I remember watching like a 60 Minutes piece as a kid on how backpacks were destroying kids' backs. But I probably also would have still made fun of you if you had a rolling backpack. It was a beautiful era. See, you're part of the problem. I wonder how many other things are out there that would make life easier, but because it doesn't align with our perceived ideas of, in luggage's case, masculinity, or the idea that men have to carry heavy things because that's what men do. They find the closest, heaviest thing and lift it to impress other men. It doesn't get accepted because we're humans and we like to make things harder in order to avoid change. You know, new thing bad. Vasectomies. Yeah. True. You're not a real man if you get a vasectomy. It's so silly. I think that's starting to get under control, though. I don't. I haven't heard a lot of people say that. I could just be tailoring the people that I am around. <laughs> don't hang out with a lot of uh, toxic masculinity. So we make all these things with men in mind, right? But I wonder what the statistics are for prominently female-based customer decisions. Are women doing all the shopping and choosing products, but they still aren't, at least weren't, being marketed to? We are being marketed to now, and they think we're stupid and don't notice the 20% pink tax, because it's for women. They'll figure it out eventually. The first step is getting them thinking about us, right? We didn't even talk about carpet bags. Those were popular in the 19th century. The rapid expansion of the railroad in the 1840s and 50s made it easier for the middle class to travel, and they needed a cheap alternative to the expensive and heavy trunks. So saddle makers in many towns, I guess they already had those big sewing machines, so they started manufacturing carpet bags out of old carpets. They would get old carpets and make bags out of the pieces that weren't worn out, and that made them affordable. In the movie Anne of Green Gables, she's shown being picked up to go to her new home because she was an orphan and she had a carpet bag that had a broken handle. On that note, I recently saw a post talking about if you have old luggage that's still in good condition, but you don't want it anymore, you should donate it to foster children because a lot of the times they're moving around and are having to put their things in garbage bags. So it'd be nice for them to have a a suitcase boost their self-esteem. You know, not a good look when everything you have is in a garbage bag. You might start forming a bad subconscious narrative about yourself. That's nice. I like that. That's a good PSA for this episode. Don't donate it to Goodwill because they'll sell it. Then they won't be able to... Children children don't have money. They don't even have jobs. Those leeches. 
There's a reason they don't have jobs. We have laws against that. People throw away a lot of stuff in general that could easily be donated. It's a bummer. Some luggage has those little, like, locks and keys. They're kind of pointless. They're very easy to pull off, for one, and (laughs) just a little bobby pin could probably pick them. Yeah. Samsonite makes some pretty good briefcases, so they probably make some good suitcases. They made trunks as well, and they were touted as being very strong. There was a picture of the owner and his children. They had like a board across the Samsonite trunk, and they were all standing on that board, and it wasn't crushing the trunk. It was named that because in the Bible, Samson was very strong, and so they called it Samsonite. They have done a good job of maintaining that reputation. Because I had a Samsonite briefcase that I got locked out of once, and I tried my darndest to just get it open by bypassing the lock, and I could not do it. I had to just sit there. It was a combination lock, and I just had to sit there and go, one, two, three. Supposedly, they advertised really well. They, they have some kind of funny old advertisements, if you want to look those up. I mean, I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was something like... Get a Samsonite suitcase and you'll find love on your travel. I don't know. It was almost like a <laughs> fortune cookie, but it was a suitcase. <laughs> I like that. This episode was sponsored by Samsonite. Samsonite.com or something. I don't know. No, it wasn't. We, didn't, we haven't gotten any money for this. Use code thingamajigs23 for 99% off your first purchase. <laughs> They're going to be like, who, who are these people who are trying... The code's a little finicky right now, um, so if it's not working, send them an email (laughs) or give them a call. They'll be happy to add that coupon on for you. Don't actually do that, please. The first step is getting advertisers talking about you. My question to you, listener. Yeah, I'll I'll answer it too. Ask, and then I'll pretend to be a listener. I was here. I listened. Go ahead. Okay. I have two questions. How do you feel about rolly suitcases and, more importantly, rolly backpacks? Aren't we already know how I feel about rolly backpacks? Yeah. Love them. Second question. How do you feel about the future of autonomous luggage? I saw recently they have, like, those... You know how they have, like, those store security robots? They have this problem where they keep driving into fountains... (laughs) Like, and falling into the fountain? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Which I think is hilarious, but I would be super unhappy if I was walking through an airport and I turned around, my backpack was gone, and I went and found it in a fountain. There were some complaints about the idea of airports becoming too congested because suitcases not following closely enough or or slowing security down. Yeah. They have some that you can sit on and scooter around as well. I didn't add those because I knew you were not going to be a fan. But yeah, they not just not just sit on and scoot, but they have some of them that will transform into a scooter so that whenever you get to your destination, you can just pull out your scooter portion of your suitcase and push off in a direction. You know what? I don't actually totally hate that. I might would try that. Well, I reckon that's going to do it for this episode of Thingamajigs and another exciting history of a mundane thing. 
I am Ben. And I am Danielle. We already did this. They already know who we are. They might have forgotten by now. It's been a long time. Don't forget to grab a goose and quit being such a camel bag. Do we need to go over the definition of a camel bag again? No, I think that was correct. Thanks for listening. Nah, go! Forgive me by you, Lord. Forgive me.